You're listening to a UCD Humanities Institute podcast. This podcast series features recordings of lectures, seminars and events hosted by or associated with the University College Dublin Humanities Institute. Our podcasts are available on Apple, Spotify and on SoundCloud. For more information and to listen to hundreds of podcasts, go to ucd.ie forward slash humanities. In this episode, a recording from the third webinar organised as part of Framing Ageing, a clinical, cultural and social dialogue. The webinar consisted of parts one and two of panel five, Methodologies. The first speaker was Dr. Julia Langbein from Trinity College Dublin, who spoke on Theorising a Visual Culture of Old Age, the Case of Neo-Impressionism. Well, first of all, I just want to say very briefly that I'm one of the newest uh, here, I think, to the field of um, the history of age or to aging, to thinking about old age. And um, so I've benefited hugely from everyone's expertise. So while I have the floor, I just want to say thank you so much to all the presentations that have gone before. Um, so my talk, we use the case of the French chemist and theorist M.E. Chevrolet, who was exceptionally long-lived, and he held a singular position at the nexus of art and science, to contrast two antithetical models of visualizing old age. So I'll focus in particular on two visual events in the life of Chevrolet one following from his scientific work and the other from his public persona. Um, this contrast is embedded in the particular 19th century media history that I'm looking at, but I hope it will be useful to thinkers across disciplines grappling with contemporary images, particularly because the historical moment that I'm focusing on is really at the dawn of a modern consumer economy of images that won't be completely unfamiliar to us. Um, so we're going to begin in the present with um, Twitter. <laughs> So I don't know. I don't know if Tom Scharf is in attendance today, or um, if any of you have been following his Twitter. I'm sure many of you have, um, but he's kind of had this important project of finding ageist images in the media and, and making us aware of them. Um, so the original title of my talk was "Theorizing a Visual Culture of Old Age," and um, I'm sure that's why I'm in the methodology panel. And over the past couple of sessions of the conference, it's become apparent to me how important photography is and how urgently we need to think about it. Um, but I am still concerned here to ask broader methodological questions like, why is it that picturing old age is such a problematic enterprise on the whole? What is it about visual data when it meets old age that is so um, such an intransigent issue? So um, these ages media images are very typical. And I'll just point out some of the things that you can all see, but the substitution of part for whole, as Sharf has shown, is a particularly common feature, reducing the entire individual to hands, often gripping and support. It's a very efficient way to illustrate a whole social stereotype of older people as burden. Um, the quasi-grotesque focus on wrinkled hands or bloated ankles is a visual reality effect. In contrast to picturesque images, this one sells itself as unvarnished. The problem here lies not with the images themselves, I would argue, but with a pre-existing non-visual definition of old age that these images illustrate. They're called upon to illustrate a very limited definition of older people as weak and needy. The images themselves are authorless. They're often from an encyclopedic pile of stock images, contributing to the idea of the picture as universal, as unmediated. Truth function, of course, here serves the financial interests of the site. They justify the luridness and artificially terrifying headlines that these images illustrate. And yet this kind of image has become so naturalized, indeed, even well-intentioned academics and universities have been caught out for relying on precisely this kind of picture. So art history may seem um, the 
for furthest discipline from what many of you do. You know, turning to subjects like impressionist painting in the early newspaper, which I'm about to do, might feel like leaving the halls of science and entering the cocktail party. But art history at its best attends to the kind of knowledge that images produce, that they alone materialize. Part of what's so pernicious about the ageist imagery of the news cycle on the internet is that these images don't generate knowledge. They're called upon to illustrate pre-existing stereotypes. In fact, the word stereotype took on as modern meaning in, early, in the early years of the illustrated press to describe the press's ability to produce images that multiplied without ever changing. So the visualized, so these, are, these are the first two images that came up on my computer when I Googled old age. Um, the, the visualization is so conditioned by photographic stereotype that I find it almost impossible to think of a quote image of old age that is not figurative and photographic, a record of biological signs like posture, white hair, wrinkles. These are the first two Google image search results for old age. The European man modeling, you know, some kind of cognitive change, whether it's an expansion or a destruction, I don't know. Um, and then, of course, the non-European woman um, fetishized for her, for her wizened exterior. But how did we find ourselves here? Um, Chevrolet interestingly played a key role in the history of, um, of this problem, I think, and helps us historicize our own problems. So Chevrolet had a remarkable biography in life, which I'm only gonna very, very briefly give you some points of, but he was, he was born under the Ancien Regime, born in 1786 and died you know, 10 days after the inauguration of the Eiffel Tower. Um, he died in 1889. He was trained as a chemist and directed the tapestry manufacturer, um, the National Tapestry Manufacturer, where observations of dyes inspired his theories of color and perception. He's widely cited in art history uh, for his role in color theory, uh, particularly for how that was used by the Impressionists. So the first of the visual events in his life that I wanna explore is a photo shoot from 1886, the celebration of his centenary, which should make us all think of uh, Rina's uh, presentation on the cult of the centenarian. Um, to mark the centenary of his birth in September of 1886, the photographer Nadar published what's been called the first photo interview in the Parisian newspaper Le Journal Illustré. This particular photo shoot has been called the birth of the modern illustrated press. It's a huge, and I have like a 45 pound history of photography and this takes up its own you know, section of it. So it's a widely studied moment in the history of the press image. Um, the journal published 13 photographs of Chevrolet accompanied by Nadar's report of the interview published as captions. The interview format had been adopted by newspapers to burnish their credibility as an informational press, moving away from eclectic imagery, opinion, gossip. Particular reproductive technology at work here is important. The halftone screen was new, a pivotal technique for the transition to this kind of credibility. Um, these are images of um, older people from from the Illustrated Press from the 1840s. So just a few decades earlier. Um, and they are handmade wood engravings. Um, the one on the left is the artist Granet who had died that year. Um, and the one on the right is a rag picking doctor. <laughs> if you wanna print out of that for your office, anyone, um, let me know. But um, Interestingly, when I was looking for comparative images on the press before this moment, the only images of older people I found were reproductions of prints and paintings or, um, or images like this that are highly, particularly the one on the right of the rag picker, highly conditioned by, um, or fairly governed by the codes of classical painting. I mean, look at the uh, child in the background is right out of a Poussin or something like that, a religious painting. 
um, and the doctor clearly a Jesus figure. So um, these archetypal figures are not exclusively, they were largely wise or noble. Likely, uh, likewise, photography was until the 1880s really more aligned with fine arts and with science. So this helps us see the newness of the chivalral interview. As one critic described, it involved no interpretation. It was the exact reproduction, including all the suspensions that permit conversation. It is a document of absolute exactitude. Nadara said of the interview, for the first time, the reader will be effectively a spectator as if he were there. Nadara's appearance in the photographs um, was a kind of sleight of hand um, as if he, uh, putting the idea in the viewer's head that Nadar was behind the camera, was not behind the camera, but that the image was somehow self-generating. And yet it's all completely staged. The Chevrolet, you know, his slippers and his blanket were props used in Nadar's studio to connote the int intimacy of the domestic, although it unfolded in a commercial setting. Um, in fact, while the article's, article's title, How to Live to 100, seemed like a generous how-to, might make us think of kind of successful aging um, language. The whole thing was sponsored by George Eastman's new instantaneous film. The interview was a new commercial format selling a new commercial product announced on the terrain of old age. Um, the picture on the right is by the Finnish artist, Albert Edelfeldt, um, and it's of Louis Pasteur. So Chevrolet's fame as a scientist figured prominently in the text, but not at all in the image, which compared to this portrait of Pasteur painted just a year before, a staged performance of intelligence and self-possession. Chevrolet's surface qualities as an old person are clearly being separated out and relished by the camera. There's no question this is rich terrain for the photograph. Chevrolet is pictorially a demanding subject, rife with textural detail, wrinkles, stubbly beard, diaphanous hair, an engraver surely would have botched. Chevrolet is alert, but also he's exoticized like a rare species. The sense of this as an ethnography reminds us that photography is deeply implicated in the history of 19th century imperialist expansion. There's a large body of work on this history, very much an ongoing history as Teju Cole, for example, wrote in the New Yorker in 2019 of modern imperialist photography and you know, racist colonialist photography. The sequence of several photos was a breakthrough in the vision of intimacy that it afforded viewers, but even this seemed particularly well suited to the subject of old age as it communicated pauses of an perhaps addled mind or searching for words. To be sure, realist devices and claims for universal truth were made in plenty of other media. But what's remarkable here is that we can see the press photography establishing its truth claims in order to isolate and exaggerate the biological record of old age for its own gain from the start. The Chevrolet photo interview was published at the dawn of what we recognize as modern media. The Journal Illustré would soon reach a million subscribers. Photographic illustration migrated from specialized journals to saturate urban life. Photography's claims to neutrality just being articulated in the 1880s with the exemplary image of old age are now completely naturalized. I'm now gonna to turn to a completely different kind of image. Um, and I hope you'll pardon this. It's gonna, it's gonna be a bit art historical, but we'll all survive. Um, so, this is the color wheel that Chevrolet invented. Sorry, it's a terrible image, but you get the idea. As I mentioned earlier, Chevrolet's work on color theory is important in art history, and particularly um, is fundamental to a new understanding of vision. The eye had been understood since classical philosophy as a window, transparent and universal. Chevrolet described it as dynamic, embodied and subjective. So for example, the idea that um, if you, retinal fatigue, if you look at the color green for too long and then look at a white wall, you'll see red. Um, that's because your eyes, uh, is exhausted by what it sees and therefore it produces images, it produces colors. 
Um, this was grounds for the impressionist idea that the viewer's eye would do the mixing of the colors rather than the painter mixing colors on the canvas. Um, it was also important for theories of race and gendered uh, vision later. Um, these examples of two paintings of the same subject by, um, by Monet and Renoir, like this classic intro to art history slide um, about the, the way that, that impressionism was about depicting an individual's retinal impression. So important for our purposes today is that Chevrol was a public authority on aging. Well into his 80s, he gave a series of lectures on the subject at the Faculty of Medicine in Paris in, this, in the 1870s, published and widely circulated. In these lectures, Chevrol located physiological decline associated with aging in the eye. His theory was that decline began in the eye, which triggered weakening everywhere else. For example, physical mobility will decline with, uh, when sight, which coordinates movement, ceases to orient it properly. For my purposes today, what's important about this expansive essay is that Chevrolet stressed old age perception is characterized by unboundedness, vagueness, perceiving a world of inadequate contrasts. One must hold on to and cultivate what he called distinct vision by, for example, reading pages on which evenly sized and highly contrasting text has been printed. Um, so in the 1880s, following um, Chevrolet's lectures on aging, a group of artists began to reframe the achievement of Impressionism negatively, calling themselves the Neo-Impressionists. Oh God, sorry, I didn't realize that once it was blown up, these images would be such terrible um, resolution. But on the right, there's, you could basically for this talk, you could put any uh, Neo-Impressionist image against any Impressionist image. But on the right, we have Signac's um, portrait of Félix Fénéon from 1890. And on the left, we have Monet's uh, Impression Sunrise, the, the um, exemplary image of Impressionism the one that got its name. So in 1880, um, these group of uh, artists began to reframe the achievements of Impressionists and negatively call themselves Neo-Impressionists and specifically citing Chevrolet on color. The Neo-Impressionists, um, Seurat, Pissarro, Signac, I'm sure you'll, many of their images will be coming to your mind, defined Impressionism um, not as an exploration of individual retinal impressions, but as unstructured, decorative, feminine, and I believe they associated Impressionism with old age. This aesthetic reframing was accompanied by a social one. The Impressionists had been welcoming to all ages and to women. Neo-Impressionism described itself as a young man's game, purging the older cohort, explicitly aligning a return to monumentality in their painting and vigor with the ideology of youth and masculinity. I don't have time here to go into how Neo-Impressionism manifested their work as a young eye over and against Impressionism's old eye. But what's important to me, um, what I find really remarkable and what I want to retain from this episode, which I sort of dared to go into despite knowing that it's, you know, very, very, um, it may seem a strange terrain for sociologists and clinicians and so on, is that the neo is, what I want to retain here is how um, at the intersection of the history of age, scientific imagery, and avant-gardism, for a group of painters in the 1880s, this, this, this is an image of old age. It doesn't depict old age. It's not by the hand of an old artist. The content doesn't scream old age. But while the portrait of Chevrolet was an image of old age and a medium just securing its truth claims, the Impressionist painting became an image of old age exactly because its truth claims fell apart. This is how the retina sees claimed the Impressionists and the Neo-Impressionists said, we don't believe that anymore. This isn't a vision. Uh, this is not vision at work. It's the decaying sensorium of the old person in its very mark. 
the neo-impressionists, importantly, were not illustrating Chevrolet's ideas. Rather, they were part of a broader interest in vision and cognition, according to which this, this cheerful scene of a boating party was an image of decline, of old age specifically. For many who study old age, as I've framed these pictures, the neo-impressionist interpretation of impressionism is an example of ageism. Um, this group of, do I have? Um, Julia, if you could just finish up there, if you don't mind. Yeah, I'm concluding right now. Um, so the, the neo-impressionist um, interpretation of impressionism is an example of ageism. This group of young men characterized old age as decline. They placed it in the, along with the feminine and the economically unproductive sphere, something that's familiar uh, to us today. Meanwhile, the picture of Chevrolet might be considered a good image, active at 100, um, you know, uh, lauded for his intellect. And yet I come back over and over again to the idea of impressionism as a visualization of old age to prime my own sensitivity to such possibilities today, to moments of porousness between the medical, scientific, and artistic languages, to moments when the image generates new ideas rather than illustrating stereotypes, and to image in which the content, it doesn't suffer from a photographic literalism about um, the vision of old age. The Chevrolet interview is remarkable for the way it shows in retrospect how ideal the subject of old age is for photojournalism and for how it shows that such images are not timeless but were born with the modern press. As if to prove my point, this is the last image I promised. I went to a image site and Googled old age and I got this picture of Rome, um, which is kind of gone through some kind of computer program that makes it look like it's drawn or something begging you to believe its authenticity, even, you know, as if even more so than a photograph. Um, you know, pretending to be a handmade image, even though it's not. Um, so, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll stop there. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Framing Aging. For more information on the project and to access podcasts and videos from our events, check out the project website at framingaging.ucd.ie.